0: Acts chapter 2, we're going to be in verses uh, 44 through 46 this morning, picking up on um, the follow-up and uh, sort of the extension of what does it mean uh, that these beliefs have fellowship and the different ways that that was being expressed in uh, the midst of the church at this time, and uh, just to recap, if you guys forgot, we've, we've done... Uh, That they were together, and they were devoting themselves, right? Which means to be committed, steadfastly, continuously doing something. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking bread, to the prayers, and uh, the fellowship. And so, um, all important things. And uh, so we've kind of examined those, not to say that uh, this is the rule book, or therefore go do, but these are the essential um, descriptive elements of what it is for the church to, to be alive and to be um, connected to one another and to Christ, and um, so this morning we're sort of going through the end of um, this uh, this passage, and uh, there's a, a, a line in here that says uh, about signs and wonders and miracles, and the whole next chapter is uh, is going to uh, major on that, and so uh, we'll pick that, that line up later, but today we want to specifically focus on the rest of, it, of this description, um, starting in... Uh, verses uh, 44 through 46. And so let me read this morning. It says this. All who believed were together. That's important. They were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings, and they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, importantly, day by day, that's continuously, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays or Sunday nights. Day by day, they were attending the temple, again, together, and they're breaking bread in their homes. And they've seen their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people when the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we again uh, come, as your people, um, this morning we've glorified you in the truth, um, speaking our dependence on you, um, glorifying your name. It's great, exalted. God, we ask now, that you would help us uh, in humble hearts to come for your word. That you would um, help us to, to be a people that uh, are, are, are rearranged and shaped and, and re, reconfigured based on uh, how your word shapes and, and uh, fixes and, and moves us. That we need uh, your truth to speak and not anything I have to say and So I just have to be with my mouth and, words this morning, that you would um, speak, not through me, but through your word, and that it would be preached faithfully, truly. God, I just ask uh, as always that you equip us to, to have the, the things that we need to make um, this a fruitful effort which is um, to have ears to hear which are truth and said um, eyes to discern beauty and goodness about hearts that are soft to see which can speak places where we've Pardon them. Would you break them open, see what you have? We love you. As in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't have, because we've taken a little more time, than I wanted to get to this point. Uh, there's two things happening in, in this text. And uh, obviously the first part of this is talking about the fact that the, there is a sense of communal Communal living, and specifically, um, this text gets used a lot to support things like socialism, communism. Like, look, it's just right here in the scriptures. Isn't is isn't that is what God wants? Look, everybody's selling their stuff, and they're just giving to anybody uh, as anyone had need. And so, the idea that uh, that the church is, is socialist or communist um, is, is not—it's uh, not accurate. Um, just help to, to give a better and more full picture. Uh, just flip over a couple of pages probably for you um, to chapter 4 and uh, towards the end of um, chapter 4 we again get a recap and a picture into what exactly is being done and what exactly is being talked about when it says that they have all things in common and uh, and so I just want to use this uh, to round this out so in chapter 4 starting in verse 32 um, it says again they have everything in common that's the, uh, the subtitle I have um, over this and it says now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said, okay, importantly, no one said or claimed that any of the things that belonged to him. So, just push pause there for a second. For, for something to belong to you means that you possess it and own it. In in socialism and communism, you don't own anything, right? So so, thereby uh, defeating this, it's it's saying. That even though something belonged to them, the declaration or the proclamation or what they said was that it's, it's not for me or my own, and I put in parentheses there, alone. That's my addition, not in the original Greek or anything. Okay? So so it's not just for me, is the statement. And they had everything, and here's this word again, in common, which is, again, this uh, this word that means fellowship. They had all things together that they're participating in, uh, this, this common, beneficial, uh, Living. And it says, with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This is uh, sort of uh, in reverse order saying the same thing we just read in chapter 2, that the apostles were doing signs and wonders, and all these great things are happening. And then it says, there was not a needy person among them. Importantly, uh, them needs to have an identifier. Who, who is the them in chapter 4? It's the same as it is in chapter 2, and that's just among the church. So it's not everybody in Jerusalem had every need met. We find that out just in the next chapter uh, that uh, that there's a, there's a lame man. And then further on down the, the line in uh, Acts, we find out that there's widows and there's orphans and there's distributing bread. And so there's people that still have needs. The point is this, that the resources that individuals have saw them as useful to other people among among the body. So uh, it says, as many, uh, there was not an need person among them. Why? Because for as many as were owned Sold them and they bought, uh, excuse me, they brought the proceeds of what was sold and they laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. So that might have, in your opinion, made that worse and not better in terms of in terms of social. Well, wait a second, they're selling their houses and lands and they're just giving everything up. And um, so, uh, and this, for the sake of time, I need to abbreviate um, this point. Because we're going to, we'll get to readdress this again, obviously, when we get to chapter 4. And uh, I think uh, there's, there's two things you need to recognize. So the first is, um, for, for there to be any thrust or impetus, or let me say it this way, any teeth to what Jesus teaches and other biblical principles, there has to be um, personal ownership and stewardship over, over things, Okay, so the idea that uh, my stuff belongs to you means stealing isn't really a thing, right? But we know the Biblically we're told, do not steal, right? So for, for, for do not steal to have any thrust, any any, you must do thus and, and not thus, right? For that to be a true thing, a true statement, there has to be some sense of personal ownership over your, your, your things. And what you do with that personal ownership um, means something, right? So that also... Generosity and giving also has meaning. Not just don't steal, but also um, what you give actually has has meaning because uh, you own it and what you do with it matters. And it's a, a revelation of like what's in your heart. Okay, and so um, do not covet doesn't mean anything if it's all communal ownership. Do you, you see that there's there's biblical principles that um, govern what what's happening in this? in this moment so that you don't just go well everything is everyone's and I own Kurt's house and your house and right like, that's not what's what's being promoted here but what is happening is the sense of I don't want any of you to be without something that I have as extra now clearly they still have houses because look it says they're meeting what house to house and they're breaking bread together so everybody needs some house otherwise guess what everybody's homeless right and so um, this sort of presents uh, a, a question that uh, we won't answer today but it's one that you should just file away to think about because uh, the threshold of what what is need is somewhat relative mm-hmm. if, if I have three cars and you have no cars but I have three drivers in my house does that mean you're in need and I should give up one of my cars so that you have a car well that's sort of Relative in, in, in that scenario, no. Um, but that doesn't just mean that we should, again, be cold-hearted and not be aware of needs. It, it's just that it's just to show that that need is a relative term. We we all have way more than people in some third world country, right? Does that mean that we should sell everything that we have and send it over there so that they might not be in quote unquote need? Okay. So so the question of what what constitutes need is is paramount, and it governs not just this discussion but also this discussion about what does it mean then to to love your neighbor. And um, that whole discussion has been blown up over the course of COVID. And uh, as as much as I'd like to, you know, get into that uh, controversy this morning, that's that's not the direction of of where we're going. But I just want to put to bed, at least uh, put it to rest for the sake of today, that uh, this is not advocating for or saying that you don't own anything or everything that you own belongs to the church or the leadership of the church. It doesn't say that. Um, In fact, it's just the opposite. To to, to do something like that would be um, to to flatten out um, the morality of of all of these other discussions about what what does generosity mean, what does, you know, coveting mean, all those other things that I mentioned. So, um, the, the truth is, in the world and in the church, there's always going to be somebody who has more than you do and somebody that always has less than you. Right in, in the world, whether that's outside, like in your immediate context, when I say the world, I mean those that do not belong to Christ in the world, there's always somebody that has more or less than you, and uh, even within the context of the church, there's going to be people that are in a different situation in life, and, the, and uh, the measurement of generosity is not strictly based on the amount or something that you give towards the church, um, and unfortunately, in fact, that's, that's generally how we, how we look at everything. We say, well, you make this much, and so you ought to give that much. And I only make this much, so I actually want to give that much. And um, Jesus pretty much blows up that paradigm by saying, it's not about the, 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 the actual value of the thing given. It's about the generosity of the heart that moves the giving, right? So that when he, when he talks about the widow's the widow giving this little tiny worthless copper coin, the widow's mind, and uh, she gives it, and it's all that she has. And he says, "This woman is even more than this other uh, Pharisee who's, who's, who's um, tithing on even his his, uh, his spice wrap, Right? He goes through, and he says, "I'm going to give all this uh, stuff." And so it's, it's, it's a relative situation, but it's all about um, the generosity of our hearts. And so um, you need to be reminded now, as we move forward in the discussion, uh, of um, the meaning the meaning of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Fellowship is, is being united in shared function so that uh, I don't do well without you and if I prosper without you that's not um, that's not a good reflection on me in fact what, what, what the impetus of the church ought to be is to, to, to gather everybody up and bring everybody along to the best of our abilities by the help of the spirit in an equal fashion so that we're all equally moving forward now if somebody um substantially well off and, um, and just living their best life now to the, the detriment of the rest of the body. This is the kind of disparity that's a problem, and did not exist in the, in, in the original church. Now, the reason why I think we struggle with this primarily is not because um, you know, we're just not generous people. Though we're, we're not really that generous people, I think it's it's because we've extended the, uh, the scope of the people that you love and are responsible for to mean anyone that belongs to the church anywhere or even to people that are outside the church and I want to narrow that back down and you're going to be like but Jesus said love everybody he did but he did not say um, you have to meet every need of every person in the world otherwise you're not loving or generous what scripture he, what he, what, what, uh, does remind us to do is to, it says do good to all but especially those of the house of God so your, your primary obligation is not to the guy on the street with a sign. Though, if you have the means and the um, ability, meet that need in the name, in the name of the Lord. But if, if you do that while neglecting the reality that there is a, a great need inside the church. Now, um, we, we also tend to narrow the scope. So we broaden the scope on who it applies to, but then we narrow the scope specifically to only talk about stuff and money. Which is sort of what we talked about last week in terms of prayer. We always pray for stuff and money. Sometimes situations, right? And, um, and I want you to, uh, to see that that's, that's a false um, narrowing. It's, it's not just your stuff or just your money that, um, that God is worthy of and that the church is, is due in, in a common sense to, to be um, sharing so, uh, to round this out, united in chair function, participation in committed partnership, expressed through giving and receiving. So, um, I think whenever the subject of uh, giving comes up, um, John frequently reminds me that I should preach more on giving. John, obviously, uh, bookkeeper, right? And I, I don't do that well. Um, I think, like, literally, since we, I've been here, I, I've preached on giving, I think, twice. And uh, once was, like, the first um, series we were in, the Philippians, and uh, it was early on, and uh, I remember Harry was like, good job, you know, like, nobody ever preaches on it. So it was called Stop Stop Tithing. I don't know if you remember that. you can probably find it back in the archives. And uh, so, so I got a chance to kind of go over this several times about the reality of, of what giving is. And, um, and so we tend to only think of giving in terms of money. Well, how much... How much money do I have? Can I afford to do that? Can I not afford to do that? And then we sort of also use this as a referendum on our own generosity and righteousness. Like, and um, that's a very, if I can use a, a, a churchy term, a very pharisaical way of looking at the reality, which means you're just acting like a Pharisee, Whether you mean to or not. Um, the, the, the measurement of your um, participation in the church is very, I would say, minutely made up of your giving, though we don't exist without your giving, okay? So I'll just put that plug in there and say, if you guys don't give, the church shuts down. So as you have the ability to and, um, and, and, a, and a, with, a, with a good and happy heart, you should you should contribute to the needs of the church. Um, you'll see that they're laying their their the proceeds of their sale, down at the apostles' feet. And so I want you to see that they're, they're saying, well, do we trust you with the dispersion of these goods to, to meet the kinds of needs that we ought to be meeting as the church. And so um, that's the kind of trust that we ask you to give the elders and the pastor, that, that like, if you entrust us with um, whatever it is that you're going to give, then we will do our best to meet the kinds of needs that will best benefit this local body, and this is our primary obligation. Though we would love to, you know, be this international, you know, church and, and support thousands of missionaries and everything like that. Like our, our primary mission field is, is this city, okay? And the people that are in your neighborhood. And so if we don't if we don't exist here, we don't exist there. And so, um, boy, I'm so far off. I don't even know how to go back to the discernment at this point. Um, so, so here's here's the thing. Uh, I don't want you to think of like, your giving in terms of um, just just your money. But don't put that entirely away. <laughs> okay, so, so, God doesn't need your money to advance the kingdom. He owns the, the, the cattle on a thousand hills, which means he owns all of them, right? He owns all the cattle. And uh, he, he doesn't need your stuff to be served or to advance the kingdom. But he does it through our stuff and our giving. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so he's using... He's using our submission, literally the the, the 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 laying down of our lives in whatever that consists of to advance the kingdom. He doesn't need to do it that way. He's chosen to. And so um, we, we need to, to understand the fullness of Him. What, what is it that we can do to participate in the fellowship that we're we're called to and, and we participate in? Well, um, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uh, is, is sort of teaching about doing good uh, to people. And so the 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 impetus of uh, of this you should love all people is uh, is measured by people outside as, as well you should be nice to me and if I have something that I need you know and I come to the church and you don't give me what I need then uh, you, you don't you don't love me and um, so so let me let me ask you let me let me pause this the statement of Jesus has a question to you. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Uh, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. So Jesus points out the fact that uh, it's, not, it's not so profound a thing to uh, love people that love you, to be friends with people that are like you. Right, to, to greet them. And uh, and so he says uh, there's, something, there's something more to the meaning of, of love, and there's something more to the meaning of, of, of serving one another. And so when we think about what does it mean to love one another or serve one another or give to one another inside the church, um, we generally uh, don't do a good job of it. And the church's witness then to the world is uh, by our own doing limited to this small scope of, well, can I give you some money because you need something. Do you you see that that is um, narrowing the the meaning of love to to money, first of all? And it also makes it um, a question of whether or not we love based on that thing when Jesus says it's it's not really about that. So the church um, doesn't do a great job of witnessing to the world of of what it truly means to love one another because Jesus says, look, they're going to know that you're my disciples by what? How you... We, we we ought to be better at that. Um, they know that you're my disciples by the way that you what love. He says that love what specifically what? love one another. Love one another. Now I, 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 this may be news to you. I hope it's not, but um, nobody that's not in the church right now um, has any idea what's happening right now at this time within these walls. So so let me say that in in, a, in another way with more words. Okay. The world does not know what's happening inside a church service. And we think that loving one another happens inside a church service. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says that your witness to the world is how you love one another. How? In what way is what we're doing right now external? It's not. It's, it's not actually meant to be that external. In fact, people come from the world and have no... Um, reverence for God or, or any um, any sense of who God is, they should come into a church service and feel really weird. Ho- hopefully all, like, well, this is different. Like, well, what is this about? But they shouldn't be able to, um, uh, you know, connect with it on some like very superficial level. And so so we, we use the idea of getting together and being nice to each other and sharing a donut as loving one another. And that's not what, what it means. That's not actually what it looks like to love one another. So there's something else at play here if our witness to the world is loving one another. In fact, our relationship to one another should be so external and so consistent and so day to day and so in every area of your life that the world looks at what you're doing as different than what they're doing. But they don't do that right now. Because what we do is what Jesus just said. You love the people that are love lovely. You like the people that are like you. Who cares? Even the world knows how to do that. So what the world ought to do is look at the way that we love one another and go, that's different. That? What is that? That's crazy. That's what you wanted to say, actually. (laughs) What what kind of God would would cause someone to love someone in that way? That is your external witness, and that is profoundly the gospel made visible. And what Jesus did, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, to lower himself, to show exactly what love is, what is love, love, greater, love has no one, that that you lay down his life for for another, for somebody else, giving what you have and sharing it with others. And uh, so I don't think that there's anything um, particularly attractive to the world about what the church does, because they're largely not aware of it. All the cars that are driving behind me right now, they don't, not, whether or not they know there's a church in here or not, they don't care. But how do you make them care? How can you? So, so that's, that's a question that deserves answering. So um, the picture of what's happening in Acts 2 gives us a sense of, of what it is that we, we ought to do. They, let me just read here in verse forty-four. It says... All who believed were together. And they had all things in common. And I wonder how often you feel that you are together with the body. I mean, certainly right now, yeah, we, we gather and here we are together. But how often are you together outside of here? Like, how, how big is your sphere of life outside of outside of this small window of time in this room? in that um, that presents a, a great big problem, and it's one that churches um, they continue to try to solve with with, with with throwing programs at it. I know what we'll do. We'll start small groups. We'll start Bible studies, and then and, you, and so we're trying to plug in. Um, I, I've used the metaphor of vitamins before, instead of actually you know eating something substantially nutritious. But that just joining a small group is is not um, sufficient. Being at a Bible study is is not sufficient. That is not what's 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 happening in uh, the church at this moment. It says they have all things in common. They're even selling their possessions, belonging, distributing it to the proceeds as any idea. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, and they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, um, I made a joke about it before, but um, whether he needs to or not, the person that shares their life the most is. Um, with me is is Bryce. It's like anytime he's just like, hey, just come over, or just, hey, do you want to do this or that? And he's constantly like inviting other people to just come along and do the stuff that he's doing. Instead of, let me me contrast that with something else. So we think, how are we going to get these worldly people inside the church? Stop doing that. Bring you, the church, outside into your life and live your life in a Jesus-godly way and allow them into your life. So that they see what kind of person that you are. Now, Bryce isn't a good guy, so <laughs> he, does a, he does a great job of inviting people in along with what he's doing. And he'll just share whatever. And he does it in a way um, that it's, it's based on like his home. The primary sphere of your belonging to, to the church is not individually, it's, it's your house. Your, your house belongs to this, to this church. And um, and so I think there's something uh, important here that, that says that they're meeting house to house. And, and uh, the thing that they're doing in the house is not holding a Bible study or a worship service. It's just that they're together. And listen, this is a kind of a churchy word, buzzword, whatever. But it's like they're doing life together. Now, how many of you guys want to like do life together? with me. You're like, "Ah, I get enough of you on Sunday morning." And and this is sort of the problem that like we have our church people and then we have like the rest of our life. And um, and uh that makes it incredibly hard to live the gospel in a, in a truly biblical way. Because uh, your life is Christ. It's not just like a piece of your life that is Christian, right? And um uh, and so, so, problematically, if you put this part of your life away, or you segment it away to um, only be on Sunday mornings when you are gathered together with these people, and then you go and you go do your other stuff, never really interfacing, never really um, including, never really living with other people, sharing with other people, um, then uh, you, our witness is severely limited, but it's also just a truncation of, of what it means to, to have lives that are shared together and be able to, to witness other people, so um, sharing, sharing our, sharing our lives, sharing our, our, our world with others. So, um, the idea that they're, they're breaking bread together. Who, who is it? That I asked this a few weeks ago. Did you actually eat a meal with? Like, rarely will you just invite somebody in off of off the street, just like, hey, you want to have, have dinner, right? But that's not specifically, uh, I think, the, the important point um, that's, that's being made here. It's that they're sharing together in meals, and and uh, something profound happens around the shared, the shared table. In fact, um, you, you know the word for friend, companion, this comes from the Latin, right? Which means come, which is with, and pan, which is bread, right? So... These are your, your bread friends, your bread people, the people you eat bread with, companions, friends. And um, so, so who are your bread friends? And the people that are around you right now should be your, your primary bread friends. The people that you, you just invite into whatever it is that you're doing in life so that you can love one another, so that you can spur one another on to good works, so that you can talk about your struggles and, and difficulties. And this plays back into the reality of what it means for the local church to be the the primary um, need meter of the people. Um, I can't help you. I I don't know how to help you if I don't know you. Or I don't know what's going on in your life. If we don't share any time together other than right now and then a phone call when your life is um, falling apart, I, I I can't help you meet the kinds of needs that you have. Because we're not sharing life together enough. Are you, are you tracking with that? Mm-hmm. So that when, when people are meeting the needs, it's because they're together and they see, what well, I, I see that you don't have food this week, but let me help you out. I just come over, we'll have dinner together. And I don't have to make it weird or anything like that. But, you, but you're finding ways to do life together and, and sharing all that you have. And that's pretty much the thrust of, of, uh, of what's happening in the church and what it means to have fellowship. It is, um, we have a million excuses why we don't want to open our homes. Whether it's to people that you like or not like, well then I gotta clean up, and then I gotta find something to serve. Can I just emphasize that it says this was just like a day-to-day activity. You you don't need to have the Ritz-Carlton to be a hospitable, generous person. Like, just serve some, some, Part of the plan where it's some ritz on a cardboard plate, and that's enough. But you, but you're then allowing time for connection, and, and you're and you're living life in a way that allows you to be built up in the way that we're intended to be um, in community, and not just not just solo missions all the time. And so, um, I, I just want to uh, encourage all of us to find ways mm-hmm. to open up all of our lives to, to better um, commune with each other so that we can have this kind of fellowship. It says, they're all, they're all, all believe we are together, they have all things in common, and this is the definition of what it means to be the church. So, let me, uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you, and then I'm going to close out. In now, uh, in Philippians Paul is, uh, in the worst way, um, He's, he's writing this in uh, a Roman prison when people think that it was like in a sewer. It's just, it's called the letter of joy, Philippians is. And so he, he's writing to the Philippians and uh, he's so encouraged and he's got all these great things to say. but He opens up with this idea that like, I, I'm so grateful for your fellowship. Like, that I am that connected to you and that you sent me this gift, even though I don't, I don't need this gift to live. Remember, this is what I've learned how to be want. I've learned how um, um, to live with much. But like in all things, like, I'm okay because of Christ. Not, not you can win the Super Bowl because of Christ, but because, because of Christ, His strength, I can do all things. That's Philippians 4, by the way. Okay. So you didn't know what was going there, so, so Philippians 2, he says this: If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation—that's the word again—participation, or fellowship, or connection, or unity. There's any communion a participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord with one another. So do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And you should have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. that mind is the one that Christ showed, which is that He was, though He was God, He took the form of a servant and came and served even to the point of death on the cross. And so, this is what Paul's encouraging the people. He says that there's, if there's any true connection and if there's any any point of being connected, then you ought to sh- to share in this love and single-minded um, devotion to one another and in submitting yourselves and sending others. Who, um, let me let me state this in another way. Not not you're a better person than me. But you, you are more deserving of what I have than me keeping it to myself. Does it, can I can I say that? Uh, 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 gen- generosity is is like being a, a grace soaked rag that's wrung out. That's what being generous says. You are you are a grace soaked sponge that is wrung out for the benefit of others. Because, what what do you have that you did not first receive? In nothing. Okay, so all that you have is stewarded for for the benefit of um, the Lord. And so, um, so so that's the Philippians part. Now, um, in Hebrews, we have this other passage that gets used a lot, talking about the the need to not neglect meeting together, right? And uh, so we go, so we've got to keep having church services, which we do. But, um, uh, the writer of Hebrews has something, something deeper and better and bigger in mind than just, hey, keep, make sure that you keep meeting together. Um, he's talking about this kind of meeting together. And, and it's connected to the reality that, um, you're, you are knit together in this different things all coming together in one, like, unique tapestry, okay? And, um. And so he says, "Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises people, let us consider them." So, this is the question of the morning: consider then how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting like meeting together. Okay. So, in your consideration of how it is that I can encourage you and you can encourage me, I'll be sharing um, one week in each of your homes the next year. <laughs> that's a joke. Sorry, <laughs> but in light of that, like. It, it is in the consideration of how to stir one another up. It, it's confined to meeting together and being put together. Do not neglect meeting together, as if they have some, but encouraging one another. I, I need more than a phone call. You need more than phone calls. You're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, that's rough. But good luck, I'll pray for you. Okay? And this finally then brings around what uh, it says in James. Like, if you see a brother in need and you say, hey, be warm above bed, but do nothing to meet the need. uh, the love of God is not in you. And uh, I don't want you to uh, just live your life as the best effort to give to God. Though that's part of it. It's not just that you're you're united to God through Christ. It's that you're united to one another in addition to being united to God. And so, um, we're called to be uh, A people who are generous with our lives That lay our lives down For one another um, This is uh, a poet Named uh, Frances Ridley Hathaway um, She lived uh, Quite a, a long time ago In the 1800s Towards the end of the 1800s And she penned a famous um, Hymn that you uh, Would be familiar with and, uh, I want to read you the story of that hand being written. She was, uh, going to visit a trip and it was planned for five days that she would stay. And it said that, um, she was, uh, not, not, there were ten persons in the house besides her, and, uh, Some were unconverted, but long prayed for. And some were converted, but they weren't rejoicing Christians. And she says, God gave me this prayer. Lord, give me all in this house. And he did. Before I left the house, everyone had God blessed And what she means by that is that those who were unconverted were converted. And those who were converted were reminded of um, the goodness of God. And they were joyful again. Before I left the house, everyone got the, got a blessing. But the last night of my visit, I was too happy to sleep, and I passed most of the night in renewal of my consecration. And these little couplets formed themselves, and they chimed in my heart one after another till they finished with "Ever only call for thee." This is the song. Take my life and let me. Uh, this is the, the the prayer that you ought to have always and this morning I want to focus in on um, this reality that we are called to, to make this kind of prayer to God God, uh, whatever I have whatever I am and however you want to use it, it's all yours mm-hmm. and this is why it moves just from money to, to some greater thing like um, I, I said. Not every person is just going and selling their house and giving it all right. You have a a station, a place in life, and God has called you at whatever station He has found you in to glorify Him in every facet of that station to the best that you can, and you do that by saying, "God, you know, God, to the best of my ability, I'll be a retired electrician for Your glory, and I'll work." Glorify you, and however I can, I just submit all that I am to you, right? And and this is the laying down of your life for God's use, which is which is effectively what it means to be crucified with Christ, and not you living, but Him. And um, so this morning, I want to sing through this song but as we reflect on ways that. God has given you things that you can use for the benefit of the community to meet needs where, where they're found. And it's not just about getting money towards something, but about sharing relationship, coming alongside somebody that, that needs help in some way, encouraging them, just having a meal, like, hey, just come over hey Thursday, what are you doing? Like, let's just have a barbecue. It doesn't have to be a big deal. And in this sharing of life, God does something profound where we love one another better. And we're encouraged towards um, being the community that is—it's um, unique. See, see, the world has barbecues, and they like each other, and they do that all the time. And um, there's nothing particularly profound in that. But eventually, the barbecue um, transitions to something else where, like, if, if you need something of, of great worth, I would gladly give it to you. And, and when that happens in, in the outside world, it's just like, oh, damn. Yeah, tough nuggets. Like, I like you if you want to come over and have a barbecue, but I'm, I can't give you my car. Right? Are right? you seeing that there's a threshold? Like, I like you this much, but no further. That's the only, this is the only way that, that the world can look at the relationship that the church has with one another and see the truth of the gospel is in that kind of love for one another. Hey, whatever I have, whatever whatever I can do to help you considering one another better than yourselves in humility, you submit. Take my life and let it be yours. Father, we pray this morning that uh, as we are challenged maybe to um, consider what, what it is that we have to give um, maybe not like piecemeal piecemealally right and segment it and categorize it and then give you know a token amount of our lives to you we um, would just lay our entire world and life before you and give it over to you